0: This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wadundjeri and this is The Full Story. Do you feel like you're working longer hours than you would like?
1: I think, unfortunately, sort of everyone we speak to at the moment is describing feeling really fatigued and sort of running out of steam and hoping that the end of the year uh, hurries up
0: Many Australians do, and they're exhausted, especially at this
1: time of year. It's like a body and a brain and an emotional kind of shutdown. Working as a psychologist, I've seen people who, I guess it's like, hit the wall. So what can we do to
0: reduce the toll that work takes on our physical and mental health? Today, what you and your boss need to know about burnout. It's Monday, the 4th of December.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?
0: Okay, Gaynor, can you please introduce yourself for the tape, just your name and your title and anything else you want us to know about you?
1: So uh, Gaina Parkin, I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been uh, practicing for 30 years now, and I'm also the founder of Umbrella Wellbeing, which is a workplace wellbeing company.
0: So Gaynor, I wanted to speak to you because we're nearing the end of the year, and I think it's safe to say we're all pretty tired Is it just us here at The Guardian or do you think it's everyone right now at this time of year?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think unfortunately sort of everyone we speak to at the moment is describing feeling really fatigued and sort of running out of steam and hoping that the end of the year uh, hurries up. I guess for those (laughs) of us in the southern hemisphere, we're sort of holding on for a summer vacation and for our sort of friends and family and colleagues in the Northern Hemisphere, they're sort of plunging into another winter and another round of COVID. So I think there's sort of many reasons why we're feeling particularly fatigued this year, but I think it's extremely common.
0: Mm, it's normal, as you say, to feel this tired, but there's a difference, isn't there, between feeling regular level of exhausted and actually burning out.
1: Yeah, it's really important to think about fatigue and exhaustion and burnout on a continuum so sort of at at the one end at the lower end is is um is fatigue and exhaustion and then at the high the high sort of top end is what we think of as burnout and I guess the difference is how long we've been feeling like that how pervasive it is you know is it every day is it is it some days our sort of ability to recover so You know, if we're feeling fatigued, but then we have a really good weekend and and feel a lot better, then we'd probably say that's more at the lower end of the continuum rather than the higher end. So that sort of length of time and and pervasiveness is really important. Mm.
0: Let's talk about that. What exactly is burnout?
1: It's like a body and a brain and an emotional kind of shutdown. Working as a psychologist, I've seen people who, I guess it's like, hit the wall so they often have a sort of physical health breakdown of some kind so often it can be sort of physical illness that makes them stop sometimes it's not too serious but sometimes it is a really serious physical illness that makes them halt and the sort of emotional and cognitive impairment parts of that will be that someone can't function in their job anymore. So they're really just not able to go to work and do what they would normally do or what they're normally good at. And sometimes as well, people will struggle to function in other parts of their life. So, for example, they'll find um, parenting difficult or socialising difficult or They'll be like, I can't concentrate to read or normally I love playing sport, but that's just too much of an effort. So that's obviously very distressing for the person, that's very distressing for the people around them. And it can be quite scary for people wondering, you know, what's going on and how do they recover from that?
0: Hmm. I mean, it just shows that it's, you know, it's a sort of physical, your body's telling you, you've got to stop because all of these things have taken their toll on you physically and and mentally. Is burnout a new
1: phenomenon? We don't think so. Burnout as a kind of term or a concept started being described in the kind of psychiatry, psychology, research literature in the 1970s. So it has been around as a term uh, for a while. Mm. You know, over that time of covid There was a lot of commentary about are we seeing more burnout than ever before? You know, is it increasing? And some of the research studies would say that looks like that was happening. So more people were saying that they were experiencing exhaustion and, and burnout. We also know, though, that when we get better at acknowledging and reducing stigma around These experiences, people feel more able to talk about it and to report it. So it's that sort of loop where has it actually become more prevalent or or is it just that we're more aware of it and we're better at acknowledging it? And it's probably a bit of both.
0: What are some of the very typical conditions that could lead someone to feeling burnout?
1: The first one, which is going to be no surprise to anyone, is. Excessive workload, so people feeling that they've got too much to do too too often, and they no matter how hard they work or how productive they are, they can't get it all done. Second, really important one is uh, it's called perceived injustice. So, so people feeling that they're not being treated fairly in their workplace. The important thing about that one, and it's tricky for those of us that might be in leadership roles, is it's perceived injustice. So it doesn't matter if the organisation or the leadership team think everything is super fair, but if individual workers experience the workplace as unfair, then that's a problem. Mm. Lack of control, so if people feel that they don't have enough autonomy or control about what they do or how they work. And the fifth one that generally people agree is a sort of precondition is not having good relationships with colleagues we know having strong relationships with colleagues is really protective for our well-being at work and where people feel they don't have that, that perhaps the organisational environment doesn't support it or it's not a very safe environment, then that's another vulnerability factor. These are very much factors that are linked to organisational culture and, and leadership styles. So how well or how poorly organisations are doing at providing safe and good um, workplaces for people to be in.
0: I mean, you mentioned the pandemic there, and I think perhaps coming out of the pandemic, it feels like we're all a little more mindful of our limits and Mm -hmm. our fatigue levels. So do you think that all of that makes us better able to cope with stress in the first place?
1: some people's experience of the COVID pandemic was, as you described, so perhaps people who had the resources and the support Mm. to be able to go, actually, we do need to be better at spotting when we're becoming fatigued and doing something about it. So I think that's sort of some optimistic experiences. And then I think on the flip side we know from quite a bit of the research studies that frontline workers, so that could be health workers or supermarket workers or people who are really on the front line of COVID, their experience was greater fatigue, mm. more stress, less support, and I guess not enough time for them to recover fully fully from what they're experiencing day to day.
0: Mm.
1: So their experience of that time, I think, was very different. And I think some of them would say they haven't, they still don't feel like they've recovered from it. So I think it depends on people's particular circumstances and experiences and, of course, how well or not their workplaces looked after them during that time. So some workplaces did that really well and some some did did it less well
0: many workplaces now offer hybrid working. So staff can work some days in the office and some days at home. Obviously, not all industries and not all workplaces. But do you think that that trend towards hybrid working is helping or hindering us
1: today? Yeah, I think what the research would say in in our experience is, again, it depends on the industry that you're in And it depends on the role that you have. So, we know, for example, that for people who can work efficiently from home, so perhaps they're in more like desk jobs where they can be at home, many of those people have said, This is great. I'm not having to commute. So, I have more time. So, I'm able to look after myself better and have a more balanced life. So, their experience of hybrid and having autonomy over when they can be in the office and when they can be at home is is really positive. Mm. And then I guess on the flip side we know that younger workers, so so people that are perhaps newer to the workforce and people who are more isolated perhaps don't have such good social connections in their home lives. They find hybrid much harder. And there, you know, there's some risks associated with not being in the office more. So I think it depends on people's circumstances. One of the trends we also noticed is unfortunately one of the consequences of COVID and hybrid working from home is that it's become more acceptable for people to work while they're sick (laughs) because, you know, people say, oh, I'm sick today, but I'll call into the meeting. So there's kind of an idea that you just keep going or Mm. you, push on through and actually what we know that's not always so helpful for our for our recovery
0: next how to know if you're experiencing burnout and what to do about it What's your advice for people who are listening to this and thinking, I think I might be burning out, but I'm not sure. Mm. Are there some really easy practical tips that people can hold on to to kind of figure out what the next step might be for them?
1: Yeah. So I think going back to some of the conversations we had at the beginning, for people to kind of get that gauge for themselves We want people to give themselves some space to be able to reflect so that, you know, making sure that they're not trying to multitask, but actually have some space to reflect, asking themselves those questions of, you know, how long has this exhaustion been going on? Is it affecting one bit of my life or is it more pervasive than that? What's my concentration like? How are my emotions? And then I think another really useful strategy is to then run that past someone that they trust so whoever that might be to say hey this is what's happening for me what have you noticed (laughs) because often people that we're close to will spot those Mm. changes and then they might say yeah you know actually I've been really worried about you because seems like it's been going on for a while or maybe it's getting worse I think tracking it can also be useful. So, if you're not sure, you can keep some notes for yourself, you know, just like in a notebook, how you are day to day or week to week, and then have a look back and see, you know, is it changing? And and as we're talking about throughout this podcast, if in doubt, do something, put in place more recovery, do ask for support and help, don't ignore it, (laughs) do something about it.
0: What are some of the things that employers can do to try to prevent burnout?
1: So we want our workplaces and organisations and businesses to be setting up our workplaces to be uh, making sure that people are only managing a workload that is fair and reasonable and manageable. We want them to be having lots of conversations with employees about expectations and and fairness, recognition, so workplace leaders making sure they're doing a good job of acknowledging and thanking people and recognising good work and hard work. And then I guess the other bit we were speaking about is how do we help organisations set up workplaces so that teams can um, come together well and so that team members can st- be in the atmosphere where they want to support one another so I guess the best prevention is is for us to be setting workplaces up well and then I guess that early intervention or spotting signs that things aren't so good is also really, really important so making it okay for people to say actually I am really tired Mm. and I think I'm going to finish early today or I thought I could do that project, but my brain isn't working, so I'm going to need some help or whatever that is. So the prevention, the early detection and, and intervention. And I think as we've been coming back to that idea that burnout is a collective problem.
0: Well, given this is, as you say, a collective problem and it's a, a pretty big social problem, is there something that national governments could be doing to help with this.
1: Yeah, for sure. Really, if we're working it backwards, it's, I guess, how do governments support and legislate to ensure that businesses place a priority on people's well-being Mm. alongside how do we get great productivity and getting things done? I think often there's sort of a bit of a split between Initiatives to get more productivity and then initiatives to get better well being. And what we know is if we're smart, we can get both mm. if, if, we do the, if we do the right things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you have a burned out workforce, can't be great for
1: productivity, can it? <laughs> but, absolutely not. Um, and some commentators have said we might want to think about burnout as a human. Um, energy crisis, so a bit like we're trying to think collectively about solving climate crisis, how would we think about this as Mm. a human energy crisis, so what is it that we need to do to make it better, and and it probably is going to need some government changes as well as some changes in, in the way that we work.
0: That was Dr Gaynor Parkins. She's a clinical psychologist and the founder of Umbrella Wellbeing. You can read more of Gaynor's columns at theguardian.com under the tag The Modern Mind. And I recommend you check out one of her recent columns called Sitting in Meetings Wanting to Shout Out This Is Nonsense. What to Do When Work Is a Source of Angst. I've linked to that on the full story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and James Milson, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producer is Hannah Parks. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave us a review. I'm Jane Lee. Thanks for listening.
1: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?